and welcome to I'm Trying to Tell You. And today I have a very special guest. Um, this person we met on Instagram, um, actually from the same city. Hey. And um, he's kind of been my um, inspiration for starting all of this, but we'll get into that just a little later. Aww. So, um, I have Jay Glass from Meek with me, and you want to say hi to everybody? What's going on, y'all? This is uh, Jay Glass, as Miss Bethany just said. Uh, do you use your whole name on here? Yeah. No, well, you don't have to say my last name, but yeah. Right. <laughs> just middle name and everything. Yeah. No. Um, so... Yeah, man. Um, like you said, we met um, on Instagram and just been encouraging and, and pushing each other, I think, since then. So um, it's just dope to see like how these connections from social media just kind of flow and, and develop over time, you know? I know. Um, I will, so I can get into it just a little bit. Um, you have really, like, as far as like pushing, you have really been like getting on me to figure out like what it is that I wanted to do. And I remember a conversation that we had um, and I was telling you, like, I just didn't know what to do because I can kind of do everything. And you said, so why don't you do it all? And so with that, I kind of took it and I'm like creating like this whole thing where I could take all the things that I'm interested in and put them into one place. So I want to thank you. Hey, you know what I can? <laughs> um, because without that, I probably would still be stuck in the, I don't know which avenue I want to take. So now that I know that I can take them all, mm -hmm. I'm kind of going that route now. So shout out to you. That's dope, man. Um, I feel the same way. And I think I had a conversation with uh, someone I consider a mentor who's also from the 309 area. Especially, I feel like black people, we we haven't been trained to to like be specialists for the most part. You know what I'm saying? We don't, for the most part, I feel like we don't know what we want to do as is, you mm -hmm. know? So it's even harder to for us to find our thing and then be very good at one thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so for me, when I see somebody who says something like you, I was like, yeah, do everything you're good at. Just try to make sure it's in the same field. And, like, that way they all complement each other. So that's dope, man, for real. Yes. So um, do you want to tell everybody a little bit about your clothing line? Um, I know it's Meek now, but it started off as Merch by Design. Yeah. What, um, what prompted you to change it? Man, that's crazy that you asked. So, like, it was actually quite a few things. But the main thing that happened is that I noted Merch by Design wasn't even the initial thing. It was something else before that. Um, mm -hmm. Well, Merch by Design was really just like, it was supposed to be a platform for other brands to highlight what they do. It's not mm -hmm. even, wasn't meant for me to have my own brand. But what ended up happening was I started working with people who were inconsistent. I started working with people who um, were having like production issues and I'm selling their stuff and like they weren't shipping it at all or something like that. So people coming to me like, what's going on it was supposed to be a platform for people that became a podcast like what you're doing essentially so i just started talking to different creatives and again people were inconsistent as far as like showing up to record the podcast and 
doing X, Y, Z. And for that platform, I just felt like I couldn't maintain it by myself because I'm only one creator in the beginning of my creating process. You know what I mean? And it wasn't like I was trying to get like high profile people. So I transitioned it to Meek because I went to Target. <laughs> I went to Target one day and they have something else called something by design that is very like made by design or something like that. And then I was riding down the street and I seen like a cookie place that said cookie by design. And so I'm like, bro, this ain't going to work, dog. Like it's not, it, it has no voice to it. You feel me? It has no personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so I changed it to Meek because I think it, I think that the, in the Bible, it says like the meek shall inherit the earth. Right. Um, I can get with that. Right. So it's like, to me, meek people are really us black people for the most part but also like creators like the creative people who are just inspired by real life things going on around them and like we never really had our value only increases when we die for the most part like if you look mm-hmm. at like basquiat and like all the dope creators like they don't their paintings never sell as much to they dead dead and gone so it's like how can we harness that now and like i try to make stuff that I feel like is like for that, that group of people, like the the people who who can appreciate us now. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so we are meek, but I didn't want it to be too close to like meek meal. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know you have like another like branch off of meek, and it's trapping out your mama's basement. So what do you do with um, trapping out your mama's basement? So again, when I stopped doing merch by design, I split the podcast. That was the podcast piece, but mm-hmm. I might. I'm I'm still trying to figure that part out. It's like I'm still in the very in the beginning of my phases of being a creator. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, that may be like something where I just drop new pieces all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm so concerned with quality. It's hard for me to do that. You know. Like, there's different ways to drop new tees and new sweatshirts and things like that all the time. But I just can't imagine selling you something and it's trash. You know what I mean? Like, you ever buy Mm -hmm. something from somebody and it's like you wash it and it's peeling and cracking and things like that. I'm not going to act like I haven't done that before. I have and I hated it. You know what I mean? But I always, like, reconcile it. Like, yo, let me send it back to me. Let me get it back. Let me give you a credit. Let me do something. But I'm not... Bro, I can't, I can't do that. So, I'm trying to find a balance, but the mm-hmm. clothing game is hard because it's like everybody can do it right now. To be honest, yeah, they can. But I would want to say, like, I've seen like just the progression and just like the last, I want to say, year, honestly, of like the quality of product that you've put out. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got my stuff on right now, it's my favorite. <laughs> Listen, it's my favorite sweatsuit. I'm telling you, every time I'm washing it, just so I could put it back on. I love this hoodie, these sweatpants. Listen, you know that that ain't even like come out. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But like people I rock with, like every now and then, I'm like, yo, like let me see you this. You tell me what you think. Ooh. One of the things that inspired me was like when you were doing your makeup and like mm-hmm. the different colors you use and kind of what I wanted to kind of emulate the colorways and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that's why those are that that color. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the, so, like, nine times out of ten, if I reach out to you to, like, send you something, it's because, like, you inspire me some kind of way, whether I tell you or not. You know what I'm saying? So, little did you know then 
I was already like taking cues from just stuff I was noticing, you know. Now, what I've seen on like your social, I've seen like you've done um, collabs. You've done a collab with somebody else mm-hmm. um, where you guys did a giveaway. I was low key hurt because I wanted them UGG slides, but yeah. <laughs> um, um, and then you have like this perception piece that I've been seeing. What sparked um, your thought process behind that? Man, I'm really, really glad you asked that seriously because, like, last year was my biggest year so far. And um, I almost I almost given up on this a lot, a, a lot of times, to be honest. I mean, you've seen the different, like, iterations of what it's been through. So um, around the, this is, of course, like, last year we had all the protests and things like that going on. And I just want to challenge people to take a step back. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. the front has a big patch that says perception and uh, the shinel, um, like kind of material, but the words are kind of twisted on some part, but the other part aren't, isn't. Um, and on the back it says it's not reality or whatever. And um, my goal was to like, just kind of like get people to think like, it's not always about what you see. You know what I mean? There's so many things that we can't see that we got us stop looking at things for how they affect us individually i ain't saying that's not important it's definitely important but it's not the entire picture right so Mm -hmm. like the way you look at things the way you think about things for the most part people do that in a way of how does this affect me you know what i'm saying like oh the train or whatever not working my my bus later my car not working this affects me but there's like probably a million other things that are happening but you are an important piece not to like take away what you think and how you feel but having the ability to like zoom in and zoom out like i think about even like the election and stuff like i think it i i think it's trash that like there's not more people in the middle you know what i'm saying and seeing like both sides of what's going on not saying i'm not a really political person but i think there's like people who would agree with each other on a lot of shit that are disagreeing because of what we see in the media. You know what I mean? Like, and and have some very different beliefs, but have a lot, a lot, a lot of very similar beliefs. Just step back out yourself and like, chill. You feel me? Like, not, not necessarily chill, but like, just think about things outside of you and like, how can I present that to the world? Being a content creator um, being a creative in general and having product that you push out and to sell to people, what has been one of your, um, I want to say like biggest hangups in as far as like support? I think um, what we got to all do is stop thinking that people owe us something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like too often we think, well, I know you this, I know that. This person, I know I got 5,000 friends on Facebook. I got 2,000 followers. Like, think about if you on social media. I'm going to use social media, and it's the best example because that's how we get our word out there for the most part. If you go on social media right now, you've seen the same 10 motherfuckers you've been seeing all week. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, the platform is not designed. It's been changed to see what they what they deem necessary for you to see and for other people who want you to see something to pay for you to see it. You know what I mean? So like that, it just literally is what it is. You can't stop that. So what you, what we got to do is work towards 
getting the people around us to like it, right? So, mm-hmm. like, my homie, my cousin, I remember one time, bro, he sent me his, his mixtape. Now, he didn't really send me music or whatever. And yeah. one day, I was just in the car, playing my music, driving. I don't know where the hell I was going. And this song was like, damn, this shit, bang. And I look, it's, the, it's him. I'll play the next song, him, bang. Next song, bang. I'm like, yo, he going crazy. Like, I call him immediately, bro. My bad. My bad. I have not been listening to this shit, and this shit is heat. You know what I mean? So, I think it's like, when you doing something that work or that, that's fire, it may not hit off top. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you need that external catalyst, but you got to be working towards it. You know, you got to be pushing and, and steady going. And the people that's closest to you, when it starts to make sense, are going to like be like, yo, that's it. Or they're going to keep hating, like whatever it is. But like, we got to stop assuming they owe us something. I know my biggest hang up to start anything is like, um, I'll post something and it gets like no, like no views, no likes. And that would like really discourage me, but, um, and it make me not want to keep pushing out content. But like you were saying with social media, you have to find those ways to reach people that other than the 10 people you see every day or the 10 people who see you post something every day. So like, I've been like thinking of other ways that I can like get my content out there so people can hear it, people can see it. Right. I'm on so many social media platforms now. I'm like you got like six different emails, <laughs> six different logins. And I used to always come from such a negative mind space, but I'm telling you 2021, I don't care. Y'all going to get this content whether you want to see it. <laughs> whether you want to see it or not, it's going to be everywhere. How are your feelings with everything that was happening racially? in our country in general and like just leading up to the dumpster fire that was the um (laughs) the storming of the capital man it's like you know it's one of them things for me so um oh first off before you get started uh, we gotta say rest in peace to cicely tyson for sure that's crazy a legend, sure. a true legend, a queen. I was not expecting that to see what I, that's like the first thing I saw when I got on Instagram. Yeah. So, rest yeah. in peace to Cicely Tyson. So go ahead and continue. Definitely rest in peace. Um, I think it's crazy because like, like you said, in 2020, we even started off with another loss. And I think the thing is too, um, that I, I get, but I kind of hate to see is that when people, we lose people now, it's like it just seems to bring down, but the, it seems to bring down everything. But we forget, like our our legends are getting up there. You know what I'm saying? Our legends are in, in life happen, but the reporting of people passing, like Chadwick Boseman last year, like mm. uh, Kobe, like all these individuals, it's like okay, like it, it's crazy because it continues to happen. Um, I think Chadwick was in well, Chadwick was I think really big for me last year, and I bring that up to go back into your point of like everything that was going on because of like what, how much he was celebrated for what he stood for within that, within the film Black Panther. And then if you think about like the Jackie Robinson and all that other stuff, like dude killed, I mean, he killed all So of many that. iconic oh roles. Bruh, it's like. He, he was James like Brown. Legend. He was, um, was it, who was the lawyer he played? Thurgood Marshall. Thurgood Marshall. That was like, in that was like one of my like 
people I really looked up to growing up, Thurgood Marshall. And I was so glad they told his story. And, like, in retrospect, it's like, oh, they chose the perfect person, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think, you know, it was rough for us, you know? Um, I chose last year, and I had been doing this before last year, but last year, in the midst of everything going on, I really wanted to celebrate Juneteenth. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And everything was shut down for the most part. You know, you, you people were still doing stuff around that time. But, like, that's when I dropped, I dropped some Juneteenth tees. Um, that. Those went, like, crazy. And it was just, it was sad because I remember, like, at least a few people reached out to me or basically was talking, talking shit online saying I was, like, uh, astroturfing, like, basically trying to utilize the grassroots movement to, like, I'm like, dude, I was doing this before this because I remember growing up, at some point, I lived in Springfield, Illinois, right? And that's mm-hmm. when I first heard about Juneteenth. I didn't know what it was. I was, like, in fourth grade, fifth grade. I was a grown-ass woman that's when, what I I... Found out about, when I found out about Juneteenth. And it just, mm-hmm. like, and, and not just that, and the, how it just speaks about our history. Yeah. Like, I've learned more in the last, and you have social media to think about this, to think for this, because... As people are getting informed, they're sharing that information across these platforms. I think I've learned more in like the last three years than I have ever in my entire life. And it just be like, yo, what? Like, I think the one, yeah. um, the one that caught me by, like, it was funny when people were finding this out, but it's just like a, how everything like about us usually gets whitewashed. Like when people were finding out Beethoven was, was it Beethoven that was black? Who did they find out was black? He was I don't a. Know about that one. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember who it was. It's a, like a um, an actual composer from like mm-hmm. way back sixteen like sixteen hundreds, maybe maybe later earlier than that. But um, he was supposedly black, and like the internet just like blew up about it. And it's just like how many other like greats that are in our history have been whitewashed? Mm-hmm. A lot. It's a lot for sure. Um. You think about like the some of the significant inventions like the stoplight or the air mm-hmm. conditioning and things like it's like hold on what, but um the reason I I bring up the whole Juneteenth is like the funny part about you saying you were grown when I moved to Peoria they didn't know they didn't celebrate it there so mm-hmm. I I when I was younger I thought it was something that they only did in Springfield I was like oh this was Springfield ass shit like y'all don't do this here because there was a lot of different things that y'all didn't do so I just thought that's what it was. But it wasn't, and I didn't recognize that until I was an adult as well. Um, so point being, like, I feel like we chose to celebrate Juneteenth. I feel like Black History Month is kind of given to us. Like, mm-hmm. even though maybe that generation of Black people chose it, I'm not really sure. Like but I feel like consolation prize. Yeah, I feel like Juneteenth, we t- we're, like, taken back, and I really like that. Um, I think 2020 was crazy, like, and up until the capital it was like we were looked at and even some of our own people looked at what was going on and saying okay y'all doing too much now like y'all doing too much right now for sure but i I, I, we've seen it though right yeah so i live in i live in louisville so we were like ground zero especially like brianna taylor um i was like especially when the verdict came out i was like burn the city to the ground this city deserves to burn burn it down 
do whatever it is that you have yeah. to do. And it was so crazy. Just like you'll see it on the news, but like um, the few times that I did go downtown, just seeing everything, um, just see everything boarded up was crazy. Not even that. Uh, we had a curfew, and I remember one night I was leaving from downtown because my friend stays downtown, and I got stuck right in the middle of the protest. Mm. And um, it was like when they were breaking it up, but it had gotten like a little violent, and they were running, and they were like all like in like around my car, and I was like, "Oh my god, this right. is crazy, this is so real." But um, the one thing like twenty twenty, the biggest thing had been like COVID. And um, a lot of people have like this negative connotation that comes with COVID, but I was, a lot of good came from COVID for me. And then I think for our nation as well, cause like, just imagine if there was no COVID and George Floyd had happened, he would have been just another hashtag. Mm. But people, because we were forced to sit down and we couldn't do anything, you actually got to sit down and watch the news and you watch literally not in passing, not on a post on Facebook. You got there, you got to sit there and you watched a black man get killed on camera mm. and nobody had nothing else to do, but be enraged and protest yeah. when nothing open. Yeah. And, and to, to a certain degree with COVID, you kind of, you were still getting paid. So it was almost like nothing to lose for some people. Should I say, you're still getting paid during those times, so it wasn't nothing to lose from that sense. Uh-uh. And um, and I think people were sick of it. Like there are people who couldn't work, who wanted to. No uh-huh. one was certain of what was gonna happen, and we're still not to a large degree. Uh-huh. Um, and I think you know, for me, it was the co- stuff that happened in Kenosha, not because it's close to Chicago, which is where I am, but because of like what's happening. Or not that was, of course. Don't get me wrong; that wasn't the only thing, <laughs> but like when you seeing this man in the kids with his car and in the car with his kids you feel me and it's like y'all have no remorse and a few weeks before that i was in a similar situation with the officer right and Uh they just like pulled up on me like yeah we'll we'll hop out and i literally just had parked in handicap at mcdonald's like for two seconds because they gave me the wrong shit at mcdonald's you feel me like and i could the line was too long for me to get back in so I just literally pulled up, and he just came up with me super aggressive. And I'm like, yo, that could have been me. And then to see what happened with the white kid killing people, like a rogue person, no consequences. The same thing that's kind of, ha- again, back to the capital stuff. Like, I think the biggest thing for me is the reaffirmation that we can't do what they do, you know? Not and, at and, all. And, and, and today... I think we're seeing this to a, another degree, and this is more of a wealth thing with what's going on with, like, um, what's that, GameStop in the financial space, like, in Dogecoin, like, regular people are boosting stocks up like crazy and making literally millions of dollars, and they're now trying to stop people from doing this, but this is what banks do all the time, and yeah. it's like, this kind of stuff is, like, why people are looking at the government and why this transition of power won't be the difference that we think it is or some people wanted it to be because there's still a lot wrong within the system and people are in a place where they it's, like we want to nothing change can shit. change i don't nothing can change until there is full acceptance of the disservice um 
to black people. You accept the things that happened to the past. Like they just need to accept trash. You were trash, absolute positive trash. But nobody's willing to accept. Fuck. Oh, it happened before me, but your people had the biggest hand in going through um, one of the greatest travesties in the world, and y'all will not own up to it. It's get over it, get over it, but y'all shove 9-11 down our throats. It just shadow overshadows everything. Oh, that was the worst thing to happen in America. Are you serious? You know what the crazy <laughs> part is? So this is something else nobody's just... You hearing about a little bit is like a parent... Now, and I'm still learning about this, so don't get me wrong. Um what's going on with, like, Muslims across the world in countries like India and mm. China and, like, millions of people held up in uh, con- basically what they're calling disciplinary camps, which is mm. essentially concentration camps. Concentration camps. camps. Exactly. And it's, like, this is known by everybody. And they're holding up – I think they say China has millions of people. And there's strict discipline law- laws, supposed to be secrecy, to form- – and it's, like – in this again, please don't. <laughs> I have nothing. This is not to say, well, Jewish people, you know, um, were were looked at differently or whatever. It just my whole thing is I don't give a shit about like how people look at one person versus other. Help these people, bro. Like help mm-hmm. these. Like y'all don't care enough if y'all can't speak on it. You feel me? At the bare minimum, speak on it. Y'all can't care enough. Y'all don't care enough if y'all can't speak on like what's going on with black people and like see can't see the the why we feel how we feel and people who support us feel how we feel when the capital storming happens and we see the difference and what infuriates me the most is when other like races try to take their problems and try to guilt us into taking on their problems you know what i'm saying like we support everything. We support LGBTQ. We support um, the Latinx community. We support everybody. And every and what makes me mad is everybody wants us to make their issues our issues, but nobody wants to make our issues their, their issues. <laughs> like, we've always heard stories of, like, um, police brutality and all this other stuff, but I feel like when... I feel like when Mike Brown happened mm-hmm. um, is really when I started to feel like it just became more like front and center. Like it just felt like it after Mike Brown, it just really picked up speed. And that's just for me. Um, I was never really a news person. I never really watched the news. But I feel like once Mike Brown happened, I really started being more attentive to um, the social climate. So like. You know, you see Mike Brown and you see Tamir Rice and you see um, what's the Trayvon. name? Trayvon Martin. Um, you start that to hit see me this hard. Little, that was the one, man. Because it was like this is a regular person doing this, and for me, like especially the one I again when I moved to Peoria, like the police up there, was <laughs> they were they weren't playing. I I've been and I've I had a. Uh, <laughs> I had an 85 Caprice, and I had rims and everything. This dude at my job, like, he sold it. He went to jail, so he sold his rims and everything. I bought the rims, like, sound system. I got pulled over every day for two months straight, literally every single day, every single day for two months straight. And they wouldn't even – they checked my car and everything. Wouldn't write, never wrote me a ticket, though. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, they'll pull me over every single day. Or, like, I guess at some point, Peoria had, like, a curfew. And, like... Oh, God, I remember that. Bruh. Oh, God, God, awful curfew. Yeah. I got pulled over a couple times. I got harassed by one police officer for, like, six months because he wanted, he, like, wanted to take me out. He was a grown man. I was 16, 17 years old. That was, that was, that place was, like, where I experienced some of the most discriminatory stuff. And, like, I remember there was a fight in the mall. And um, it had I was on the second floor in the food court, and it was a fight on the first floor. And they literally went through the entire mall and kicked all the black kids out. Mind you, the kids fight wasn't even black. I don't think I think it was like a white girl and like maybe some Hispanic Hispanic girl and dude fighting. But they kicked all of the black kids out, and there were like kids like throwing stuff at them, like from the second floor. None of mm-hmm. those kids got kicked. I was so hot, bro, and I got into a fight with the security officer. And almost went to jail over there and would have called a charge and everything. Just so it's crazy that you said that because here, the mall that I work at, um, they they said that there was like a riot where a bunch of kids were just like breaking and running through and ransacking stores and all this other stuff. So they um, created a curfew. And after a certain time, if you are under the age of 18, you have to be supervised by a parent. Well, that really does not apply to white kids. I've had security stop me, um, try, well, try, because they didn't stop me, <laughs> um, try to stop me, talk about something, I need a CID. Boy, I am grown. Get out of my face, one. Right. And then two, um, some little white girls walked in right behind me. They didn't say not a word to them. And so there, yeah. was, a, there was a story um, that I saw from here where – it was curfew. I guess they were doing their curfew, and these kids were in, young black boys were in Foot Locker, and um, they were actually with an older person, and they thought that they were lying, and it turned into this whole melee. Like they body slammed this baby on the floor. And nothing, it's infuriating to watch these videos, but it's also infuriating to see the comments. It's just like, rain on, black, white, whatever. This is a child, and this is a grown man. Adult. Double his body size, body slamming this child on the floor. Not that he could kill him, not that he could break his neck and leave this baby paralyzed for the rest of his life. You, a grown man, you can't handle a child. I think it's more than that because it's. I think what happens is we see all of this stuff happen, and it's like we feel powerless, and we know we know we're not doing nothing wrong. We know they're not mm-hmm. doing nothing wrong, and there's literally nothing we can do about it. And no, it's like we've again, like people are said, like the I. We, when we were protesting, you know, some people say, oh, this become violence, such and such, such and such. Like, we've tried every single thing. We've tried every single thing. And I feel like even if things were, um, if things were, like, stolen and broken, y'all got, first of all, y'all got insurance. But I'm not even going to necessarily say I agree with the stealing and fire and all that stuff like that, personally. But what I will say is, that y'all ain't giving us no options, you know? And we're fighting for people's 
literal literal lives. You feel me? Like this mm-hmm. is somebody literally dying, and we just asking, hey, can we be treated fairly? Can you not kill us? Like how hard is this when they are storming the capital of the United States, supposed to had, be the most secure place in the world? If it had been a rumor, head. just if it had been a rumor that Black Lives Matter was going to storm the capital, rumor. They would have been suited and booted, and they would have shut that city down. Wouldn't even got within a hundred yards. Like no, uh, they wouldn't have probably been able to get out the house. They probably would have had the national guard everywhere. They would have been suited and booted. And if we had even attempted to do it, we would have been shot dead. Right, and here they are denying, denying national guard requests, denying certain requests. I'm like, okay, it, again, we 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 continue to get proved right. You know what I'm saying? It's like when the police mm-hmm. come in. It's like when the police come into their um, into one of those situations, those are other officers. You know what I mean? Those mm-hmm. are family of the officers. They're a part of the same clubs and organizations. They're a part of the same churches. So it's not that they don't shake them seriously. It's that we're going to protect each other because you're we're a part of the same thing. You know? Um, but all it takes is what we saw at the Capitol is them not knowing you're us. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. they here they are stumping uh, an officer to death who's a Trump supporter. You know what I'm saying? The person who is on your side probably more than anybody else. But blue lives matter. Bruh. And you ain't see that and you ain't see that not one single time, which again is a reaffirmation that this is not about it's not about um police. You all actually giving a fuck. It's just about we don't want you to do what we don't want you to do. So that's the only thing that's important. Because if, if they did matter, if all this shit that y'all talked about was important, then y'all will be standing on it. We are standing on what we truly believe are important, and you're standing on just the opposite. Just the opposite. It's like not even a purpose behind it. It's like, oh, we believe the opposite of that. Um, which, what only thing I can say my, is that I'm somewhat happy about is that I did see a lot of people who was like really on the Trump side that I know was like, all right, bro, hold the fuck up. Oh no, I just think that um I when I was telling you like I think what we should do is stuff like they doing in like Freedom Georgia. It's still within the system of the United States, granted, but what they doing is creating a safe community for black people. I've seen the same thing happen in Arkansas where they're like building their own town from scratch. I think our biggest problem is we are in these big cities, um, especially like the more northern you go, we're in bigger cities and we're expecting the establishment to change for us instead of going out there and establishing our own shit because Mm -hmm. those things have been like that for hundreds of years. They have no incentive to change. Except, oh, our tax dollars are headed out the fucking window. We need to fix it. Just like we're doing right now, we as long as we can build a fucking internet service or have access to that, for the most part, we can build shit around everything else. You know, um, mm-hmm. when I was in Arkansas, I lived down there, and it's I, I cannot. It starts with an L. It's a small, really small town, but this guy's basically like everybody there works in Memphis, but okay. they come back home and they are building this town. They're building their own fire department, clinic. Everybody owns their own house. They own the property. And they own the land within, like, I think a 10-mile radius. 
it's much faster with the resources that are available. Not saying just financially, because that's what we struggle the most, but there's infrastructure resources available that we can use to go build our own shit. And again, it won't be the absolute best thing in the world, but it's going to be much fucking better than what we fighting for in these cities. Ooh, that was a lot. <laughs> for real, but... Uh, like, you can talk about this topic for days. Um, <laughs> just just because it's, it's on so many, like, different levels because it trickles into healthcare, it trickles into, like, education and, like, the the media we consume and all of this other stuff. So we're going to just have to, we have to stop this conversation or we'll be going forever, honestly. So how do you see yourself in 2021? Proactive. Mm-hmm. Proactive as fuck. Like everything I'm trying to do this year is like for the most part planned out through the end of the year. You know what I'm saying? Um mm-hmm. And, and just like dodge and, and adjusting to what changes may come, you know, um, I'm not allowing myself to, to miss a beat, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, my goals this year to be more disciplined, to be more intentional, um, to be open and to get more exposure and more exposure to like more exposure for my brand, more exposure to business more exposure to life in ways that I'm not familiar with so mm-hmm. that when it comes down to it, I'm ready to accept different ideas and ready to accept different opportunities. So I'm not just in a, a place of, um, what's the, of, uh, complacency. Complacency. Yep. That's what it is. Look at you read my mind. Damn, my mind reader ass. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. And like, I have specific goals in between there. Um, as far as like buying more property, as far as like expanding the amount of product I can push out, things like that. But the biggest thing is like, is those three or four things, the discipline, the exposure, the, um, damn, I forgot what the other thing is. Discipline, exposure, um, like focus on learning and growing. And I think those, I mean, are the main things for real, because... I feel like, you know, it's it's time for that. You know, it's time for us to, like, open our minds, um, expand our resources. For me, and this may be true for you as well, living in different cities and different towns and different places and being exposed to different culture and ha- having to communicate with different people in different ways and understand what they value and things like that has mm-hmm. been the best thing for me because... I'm able to adjust in a way that a lot of people I know aren't. You know, they're so mm-hmm. stuck in what they think because they've only been exposed to that. Um, so now I'm able to, like, accept different things and pivot quicker than anybody I know. And, and, and I'm willing to jump first. That's one thing about me. Like, if it's a ledge, I'm like, all right, fuck it. I don't know what's down there, but fuck it, let's go. We jump it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They say, would you, would you jump off the ledge if your friends would? Nah, because I'm going to be the one jumping. I'm first. So, like, and that that's not a, something I recommend for everybody, but you know, it is what it is. Like, that's how I do. Yeah. So, I think my goals for how I see myself in 2021, I'm more informed. Um, 
I find myself being a little bit more militant than I have ever been. It's just because this stuff is just in our face and it's happening and you're seeing it and you're like, and like people are getting so active and you're just like, oh, what can I do to be involved? Mm-hmm. And I want to be informed first, um, taking the information that's given to me and doing my own research, not just because somebody on Instagram or Facebook has said something, but exactly. truly get the information for myself. So informed, definitely disciplined because I lack it. It's, <laughs> it's very hard, um, especially when I get like in my head a lot. So informed and um disciplined um I would say more outgoing I have a very outgoing personality but it takes me a while to get there (laughs) so like um if I'm comfortable with you you already get to see that personality it's that's what I want like I want to really have my personality shine um, you doing it though? You I'm tr- listen. Doing it. I'm trying. I listened <laughs> I'm really to trying. the first episode. You kind of talked about that and how hard it was for you to open up. And um, listen, when you've been burned so many times by people, it's really hard to like continue to put yourself out there. And yeah. um, I think that's another thing is to be um unapologetically me, black. And just stand in it, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like, no lacking all twenty twenty one. But you, you on top of it though, and like, and when I say on top of it, like building towards it, growing into it, you know, like, that's where it's starting. It's like before you know it, you'll be beyond. You'll be so you'll be standing on top of that shit so hard, and you'll just be like, damn, look at where I came from, you know. <laughs> Like even I can't wait to look back and be like, "Well, shit, right? <laughs> I done, I done did it now." <laughs> I done did it now. No, so like, my kids are getting older, so like, I want them to have something to be like when, as they're getting older, and be like, you know, my mom's badass. Like, right? She started like she started this way, but look at where she's at now. You know, um, one thing I got my little sister who I got my uh my youngest sibling with me, who is um shit she uh, she eleven, and um took her took her to go see some property the other day, mm-hmm. and for me that's huge because it's like this is something that nobody ever did to me. You know what I mean? Like nobody helped me understand what this means, and I was telling like yo, all right, I'm gonna put you on my I'm gonna put you as a uh what's that thing called? An authorized user on my credit card and like you you ain't gonna get a credit card but when you turn 18 your credit will be impeccable you feel me like so you ain't gonna fall into the trap that i fell into trying to get a weapon the car note way more than what it should be kind of thing um like those are the kind of things i want to do to set up my kids for the future but also letting them know throughout the process like i'm not finna babysit you when you get to this point please believe i'm doing all this now to make sure you good in the future and then you got to take care of you, you know, yeah. um, because there's too many grown folks out here. Like I'm all for helping up for me. Like, as you said, I'm willing to help anybody get to where they want to be. 
if I if I can help, you know what I mean. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to seem like I'm not her, but if, if I can help, I'm willing to help you. But you got to be willing to do the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of people just not willing to do like even even with you. If you've never done like audio editing things like this, podcasting isn't the easiest thing in the world. It takes a lot of time and a lot of consistency, and it gets easier as the process goes by. But like, like I said, like I'm gonna boom here go this platform try this and. Like, this is how I did it. I can't tell you how to do you, but this is how I did it, and this is what I found to be easier or easiest. Um, and just going about it that way. So, like, again, man, I want, I want my shorties to be straight, too, and see what I do every day and, and, and hopefully appreciate it enough when they got to go do it. You know what I mean? Because best believe you're going to have to do something. Like, yep. for real, <laughs> this shit this shit is not for free, bro. It is not. And um just being like a like a creative um like I never want to for my kids, I never want to stump on their creativity. Mm-hmm. A lot of my hang-ups have come from like my past childhood and not really being supportive in the things that I like to like being very creative and then being very like into the arts and all that other stuff mm-hmm. um, and not taking like the traditional route when it comes to like um, what you want to do in education, which led me to not finishing college. But um, if my kids end up being creative, just like, God, I hope they end up being creatives like me. I really do. <laughs> um, but if they don't, then that's fine. But and like embracing and being an example for my kids is like, you don't have to do things the traditional way. Mm-hmm. Um, because that was ingrained in me from like childhood is you do it this way and then that's it. And when I found out that that didn't work for me, I just didn't know where to go, which leads me to be 32 just now figuring this shit out. So yeah. um, just taking the things that I've learned from being a child into my adulthood and raising my kids, that's really um, one of my goals as a parent. Because I just always want to support my kids in anything that they do as long as it makes sense. And and for me, even if it don't necessarily make sense, I want to like be there. You know what I mean? And like try, yeah. try to try to help them make sense of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because I what I don't want to do is fall into a trap of like putting my norm. Only, only real standard and norm I want to put on my kids is be willing to pivot, be willing to learn, and be ready to say I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Be ready to say I'm sorry. That's a but, good one. Yeah, but don't, don't, don't dwell in that. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I think we so, do that too much now. My question to you, speaking of like sorry, um, like growing up when you were a kid. How like how often did you hear that? That word. Um, uh-huh. I mean, for me, it was something like I'm an only boy, and my mom just always told me kind of like to be. Uh, I always felt like I was like what some people call more sensitive than others. You know what I'm saying? But like in the sense of like, I felt like I was always more aware of how others feel. You know what I mm-hmm. mean? Um, and I would say I'm sorry a lot, and I, but I also. For me, I always heard it in a negative term, like people would call you sorry, 
more than like tell you I'm sorry. You know what I mean? Mm. So like sorry wasn't necessarily a good thing to even say because when I heard it, like to be frank, it was a lot of times somebody saying to somebody, you a sorry ass motherfucker. You know, like you you was you sorry, you sorry. Like that was a real, very, very real thing for me hearing like people say to each other. So I always thought that's what sorry was. And you want to know the first time I really said I'm sorry and like really meant it. And it was the hardest thing to say. I was like 24. Kid you not. I know that like there's always this going joke about women don't apologize and all this other stuff. But mine, <laughs> mine really, <laughs> um, my, mine just really stemmed for I never really heard I'm sorry. Um, like if I was telling the truth and I was treated like I was lying but was ending mm. up telling the truth it wasn't a I'm sorry it was um well you shouldn't have made me believe that made it seem like that's what it was like it was never really an, I'm sorry or if um my feelings were hurt it was never an acknowledgement that my feelings were hurt and I'm a very emotional person mm. like and when you hurt my feelings it cuts me deep and so, like, I never heard the I'm sorry for hurting your feelings. Now, I may, what I may have done was wrong, but it was never a, um, I'm sorry I hurt your feelings. This is what you did wrong. And I need you to not do it again. So, with right. my kids, um, if I um, do something that hurts their feelings or if... Um, I react in a way that is not, you know, motherly, motherly, or, you know, or I jump the gun when it comes to something. I'm always to make sure that I say I'm sorry to my kids because um, it just shows like, like it brings it down to like a human level. It's not just kids yeah. and mom. It's like, here, mommy's sorry. She hurt your feelings. Yeah. I'm just like, you're a person. I respect you. And, and for me, it's like, in addition to that, it's like, you know, I can, I, sometimes I'll say I'm sorry, but I just don't want people to put the expectation of what, I think we put the expectation of what we think sorry is to them, like, I should behave a certain way because I'm sorry. Like, granted, maybe I shouldn't do that behavior again, but I shouldn't, I don't want to sulk in that, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I can be sorry and not just be, you know, down and sad about being sorry. Like, I can mm -hmm. be sorry and be like, yo, I'm sorry and keep it moving. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, I think that's dope that you can do that with your kids and that you have recognized that within yourself. It's a hard it's a hard thing because when you grow up not hearing it mm -hmm. and you're used to, like, the rid you grew up, I grew up very rigid. My parents just, like, locked down, <laughs> like, just rigid. Um, it's really hard. You don't know until you have kids how much that kind of stuff is ingrained in you mm -hmm. because that's how you were raised. And if for, let's just say, 18 years, those are behaviors that you are used to, that stuff is kind of like ingrained in your brain. And when you have kids and these things are happening, it's like an automatic response. And there's times where like I don't handle things the best and I sit and I think about it. And again, with me just being an emotional person, I hold myself accountable for more 
than I probably should, I will I will literally go back to my kids and be like, mommy wants to talk to you. And I try to like fix it because I don't ever want my kids to feel like um, how I was made to feel like sometimes when I was a kid, it's like your child, you don't have a voice, you don't yeah. say nothing. Um, I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, I'm right. Yeah, because man, when I tell you, that messed me up being older because it made it like the speak when spoken to or um, not being able to really have an opinion or like I couldn't voice my opinion made it really hard for me to like speak up for myself being older. Yep. I think that's huge. Like, especially like when it comes to jobs and stuff like that, when there's this, yep. when there's this structure that is similar, the, like there's an authoritative yeah, role and you get stuck in positions and different job roles that you don't see fit for yourself. I, man, I talk a little bro. We, mm-hmm. we gonna have to part two this whole thing for real. And like, cause mm-hmm. there's so many different aspects of things we can get into. Um, I agree, man. And I think that we learning, we growing. I honestly feel like, and this is not really shade to like our parents, but I think we're a better generation of parents overall. But mm-hmm. for the most part, we haven't, you know, I mean, we haven't dealt with, we don't have grown ass kids. You know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know what mm-hmm. they're going to say about us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they might, <laughs> right. they might be like, no, because remember that time you told me I can't have cookies and that really hurt my feelings and I was distraught. Like, nigga, shut up. but i think i think um our generation we are accessing more resources than our parents really did because just imagine um what our like and again this is not a knock to parents what childhoods would have been like if our parents went to therapy Mm mm-hmm or if our parents had like the access to a lot of things that we have access to, because I mean, there was, there's always been therapists, right? Um, but back then it was like this. Um, Stigma. Yeah. Thank you. Put the right word on it. Thank you. <laughs> um, that you don't need therapy and it relied a lot on religion. And for the longest time, Which I, um, yeah, and I remember um, <laughs> when I had my daughter having postpartum depression, it was even hard saying that because growing up, I was to believe that that was some the inner works of the devil. Like, not that it's a chemical imbalance, <laughs> but like it's, a, it's the workings of the devil. So when I needed help, it was really my sister and seeing my sister go to therapy and get the help that she needed. And it became normalized in my family because of my sister, which made it easier for me to say, yo, I'm not okay. So. Yeah, you know. it's, I mean, luckily we're seeing more of that and it's now it's becoming like more popular and normalized. And like, I never really understood like the whole normalize this, normalize that, like how people would do that. Cause some stuff I'm like, all right, just shut up. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like y'all talk too much, but like, I do think, there's some power with I do think there's power in normalizing things and I get it to a large even though I don't agree with everything um I'm like all right you know I get it and I think this is one of the biggest things for us I look look, I'm looking for a therapist now you know what I mean so listen um, I need to go back to therapy 
because this last couple of weeks, your girl's been triggered, and I don't know what's been triggering me. I've been walking around real mad, real angry, just pop off. Yeah, yeah, it's getting to a point to where I feel like I'm barely like emotionally being able to keep my head above water. I feel like I'm like losing control, and I'm like, yep, we need to get back into therapy to. And honestly, I'm really thinking about seeing a psychiatrist more than seeing a psychologist. Mm -hmm. And it's hard to talk to people about that because, you know, the psychiatrist is who actually prescribes your, like, your medicine. And I think there's still a stigma when it comes to seeing a psychiatrist. And you don't, I don't really share that part of myself with a lot of people because it's like, oh, you crazy. You got to go see a psychiatrist. You crazy. But I think the fact that you are putting it out there and, like, letting like just saying it saying it out loud is something that like gives yourself power to do it regardless of how anybody else may feel because you're doing something that people will go to drugs for to be to be honest at the end of the day you putting that out there i can appreciate and really this whole conversation i can appreciate because like you know i know it started out talking about the clothing i want to follow up I, i would like to have a separate conversation and and be more intentional with like, you know, after we know we want to do that and let's do that and then have a conversation like, man, how is this help? Well, we all, well, if y'all don't know now, this is not going to be his only appearance on this Uh podcast. He's already told me he's going to have a reoccurring role on here and I'm, (laughs) I'm not mad about it. I mean, if this is the way I can get you to talk to me, because we not, you know what, we not gonna say, we gonna say this for the pod, we gonna take this off of the podcast because we low key got a little beef, (laughs) but we're we're well over an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Let this in part one, part two. (laughs) Hell no, they gonna get all this content today. We had some really good conversations. Hey, quit doing that. Man, hey, anyways, that. thank you for coming to the, <laughs> to the podcast. Um. <laughs> well, thank you guys for um, tuning in. I hope you guys liked it. Um, Jay Glass. You can follow us on Instagram. <laughs> Go Meek, ahead. Right. <laughs> Meek Tomb, M-E-A-Q-T-O-M-B. Um, and really, that's my main platform. The website is the same, M-E-A-Q-T-O-M-B.com. We're going to get together. Again, I appreciate you all. Shop with me. Rock with me. Meektoon.com. Uh, we just dropped something. We, we dropped, let's, this probably coming out next week. So we uh, got our pre-orders up for our new our new stuff. and uh, It's a little bit cheaper than most of our stuff, but the quality is always A1. So rock with us. And um, we're going to get you some, I'm trying to tell you, merch coming soon. You can find me on Instagram only right now, and it's I'm trying it, that's T-R-Y-N-A, tell you, underscore podcast, and that is on IG, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.